0: craftsman podcast is proud to partner with montana brand tools the west was built by people with strength and great pride in their workmanship it was a necessity that early settlers of montana have a strong will a resilient character and great determination to tame the rugged landscape while adapting to its dramatic climate that spirit made in the usa pride and craftsmanship is alive today both in how montana brand tools are manufactured and how they perform Montana brand power tool accessories are manufactured utilizing proprietary, state-of-the-art CNC machining equipment and the highest quality materials available. Montana brand tools are guaranteed for life to be free of defects in material and workmanship because we build these tools with pride and determination. Montana brand tools are manufactured by Rocky Mountain Twist, located in Ronan, Montana. Montana brand's heritage comes from a long line of innovative power tool accessories. Use coupon code American Craftsman for 10% off your order at montanabrandtools.com. Well, no time like the present. Yeah. Back after a... Uh,
1: a hiatus. Is, is it considered
0: a two-week hiatus or a one-week hiatus?
1: Well, we didn't do it for Last a week. Well, it'll be two weeks since somebody's hardest. So right. That's kind of like... Uh,
0: I guess typically we work on a one-week hiatus. Yeah. We're working on a two-week hiatus. Ho- I moved this stuff because I knocked it over. I just knocked it over again.
1: That's like biannually. Does that mean uh, twice a year or is that every two years? mm. Hmm. I think semi-annually means twice a year. I don't know. (laughs) Boy, it doesn't take much to digress around here. (laughs) Welcome to episode 49 of the American Craftsman Podcast. This is
0: not 50, right? No. Okay.
1: Would have been 50 if we would have had... we there was no way to make it back last week. We, we had were too much going on. Yeah, um,
0: you know it's 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 definitely a challenge to carve out this couple hours every week. But um,
1: and we were working out of the area. That's yeah, you know, yeah. that didn't help.
0: Yep, um, it's hard sometimes to schedule installs and stuff around the podcast schedule. Um, I mean, we went almost an entire year without missing it. So.
1: Yeah, that's, that's pretty so good. Pretty good, yeah.
0: Yeah, better, better attendance than most people have at work.
1: Um, and uh, this is the first podcast since our uh first annual meetup. Yeah,
0: we actually uh, we have a question uh, in regards to that.
1: Oh, I can hardly wait to read that down one down here. See, I had let it come as a surprise.
0: <laughs> it's more of a st- well, it's kind of a question, more of a statement than and a, a statement. Question. Yeah, um. Well, Rob just cut 150 screw eyes with bolt cutters, so (laughs) we're going to get into the beer of the week. We're going to see we have a new camera angle this week. We're shooting (laughs) B-roll,
1: B-roll plus. That's right. Um, So let's see. Yeah, baby. All right. It's cold.
0: So let me go ahead and uh, I'm working out the kinks here on this. Switching operation. Camera switching. We're going to switch over. And I'll show you what we got This is called Slush Punch mm. Imperial Sour Ale um, This is by Lone Pine Brewing Company In Portland, Maine It's an Imperial Sour Ale, ale With cherry, orange, pineapple, lemon And lactose Unfiltered, unpasteurized because all good things are wild and free. <laughs> I like that. Keep refrigerated. Craft beers are better fresh. Live yeast may settle. Uh, don't be trashy. Please drink responsibly.
1: That's I like that too, you know, next to the recycled thing. It says don't be trashy. Uh, let me
0: see if I can switch this over and get. Nice. I'm going to have to find maybe a better camera angle because this is not ideal.
1: It smells pretty good. It had a nice pop to it, it smells good mm.
0: interesting color it's like yeah. An orange
1: yeah well it says it has that orange peel right yeah orange pineapple lemon
0: yeah I don't know if those are juices cherry that
1: are
0: there. all right switch this camera back what I'd like is one of those super Overhead shots. I Actually, I had this thing attached to that homosote up there, but it wasn't really working. I was messing around with this at like 6 o'clock this morning.
2: <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. Not 5? <five? laughs>
0: Flush punch. All oh, wait. Right. Put that there.
1: Yeah, let's toast this bad boy up. Cheers to you. Cheers, Cheers to you out there. Mmm.
0: Damn. Wow, that's really fruity. That's like uh one of the most as advertised beers yeah. I think I've ever had. That's seven and a half percent alcohol, too.
1: Wow. Yeah. Um yeah, usually with all those ingredients, you don't taste them.
0: That tastes like fruit punch, like almost like Hawaiian punch, but not sweet. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I mean, I think they pulled it off. Wow. We'll we'll talk about that later. Yeah,
0: you know, a lot of times these beers, like, uh, I'm not gonna lie, the other one that I bought, <laughs> I had one like last week, and uh,
1: <laughs> that's why we're having this one today.
0: <laughs> oh yeah, because I was like, cause I already had that. I just, uh, it, you know, they it says one thing on the can, and you're like expecting it to taste like something, and it never tastes that way. No. This tastes exactly like. Like it was built.
1: Damn, that's refreshing.
0: Less sour than I was expecting.
1: Yeah. It's got a good amount of tautness, but not uh, puckering.
0: Not like that vinegar sour no. that you get a lot of times. And that that uh, you know fermentation causes that sort of uh, uh. vinegar kind of flavor. Anyway, we've got two of the week. As usual, I forgot the tool of the week, so I had to come up with something last minute inside my house. It's a little unorthodox. I know some of you are going to be unhappy. Oh, Not me. Yeah, you're a new owner of one of these. I am. I need a spot for my goddamn paper if I'm going to be doing this camera switching. Um, This is a Logitech MX Ergo trackball mouse. Yeah, this camera's in a bad spot. Um, so, if you do any kind of uh, design work on the computer, you know, you know what it's like to sit there with a mouse for yeah, yeah. three hours, four hours, and uh, you know, you can get fatigued and and um, you know, you, you get uncomfortable because you're in the same position. Um, the nice thing about these trackball mouses is, are instead of moving the mouse around, you actually move this ball around. Yeah, so, even
1: doing spreadsheets and and word stuff it's i find even
0: clicking around the internet mm -hmm. um the cool thing about this is you can sort of throw this ball (laughs) yeah and you can throw the cursor from this corner down to the opposite corner and it it, i mean it's it's nice so this has a base a magnetic base that goes in two positions one that's kind of flat and one that's a little more um at an angle so you're it's a more natural um position for your wrist than sort of this this, right. uh, what do they call Less it? Less fatigue. Pro- pronation. Um, is it pronation
1: or supination?
0: I think that's pronation.
1: Yeah, I think that sounds right. <laughs>
0: um, you know, it has, aside from the scroll ball, has, you know, your left and right click. Has uh, two settings so you can program the mouse into to be two different uh, layouts. Has a scroll wheel that has down, left, and right buttons. Has two auxiliary buttons which you can program to whatever, and then it has this button which you hold. It turns it into like a a fine mode, so this uh, cursor becomes much less sensitive.
1: Right. So Doesn't like if jump. you move
0: it, yeah, if you move it a far distance, it moves the cursor a very small distance. So if yeah. you're if you're uh, let's say you're pulling out measurements on SketchUp or Fusion or something, you know you can you can pull uh, more accurately. Yeah, if, that, if you guys understand what I'm trying to say.
1: You know what I like also about the that kind of mouse? Is that you're not at the mercy of, like, the surface you're mousing on.
0: Yeah, so actually the main reason I got this is um, before we bought this house, the only place I had to work was literally on the couch.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And so I had, like, one of those little TV trays that had the little legs. I put my laptop up on there. And, and so I'm working with, like, my hands up on this thing. <laughs> and the the space is only this big. And it's at an angle because I'm sitting on the couch. So the mouse is sliding off of the thing. With this, you could have it here. Right. And you could move between four monitors if you wanted. And you never have to move this mouse. You That's could put one it of here. my favorite parts. I mean, I could I could sit like this and control my computer off to the side. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's great. I almost bought another one a couple weeks ago until um, I realized that I can just move. The cursor over oh, yeah. to the—I have the iMac set up uh, right through the curtain over here. So, yeah, Logitech MX Ergo. They have a couple different trackball mouses. This is the—it's Bluetooth or um, it comes with a dongle. And the battery, I've charged the battery on this, I think, one time, and I've had it for, I don't know, a year maybe almost.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's good.
0: Yeah, it, I think they advertise, like, a three-month battery—
1: yeah, it's definitely worth it. It's because it's a good tool. It's about 100 it's bucks. It's a good
0: tool. 110, 100,
1: 110 bucks. And, you know, even though we're woodworkers, the computer is an integral part of every job we do. Right. So, I mean, it's a legit tool. And look, there's no shot of it. <laughs> looks good on the B roll. That cherry looks nice. <laughs> I see a Keith's uh, opener in the background. So yeah, check it out, Logitech MX Ergo. Definitely, yeah, it's easier to use and less fatiguing too. Yeah,
0: yep, it'll uh improve your your Mousing design game. experience. Yeah. <laughs> well, we got uh, a decent amount of questions this week. Yeah, I guess we might as well
1: jump jump in head first. Uh, sure, why not? Uh. What tool have you purchased, oh, God, that ended up being the biggest disappointment? This is like one of those softball pitches. Yeah. That's uh, TJ Chippendale on Instagram. (laughs) Do we have to be nice anymore? Oh, no. can we let it all hang out? (laughs) Uh,
0: What I was going to say is, you know, the response that, uh, TJ, if you're listening, that Luddy would have is your mom. So I (laughs) just— (laughs) (laughs) Now you know it's live. I hope we
1: got good audio of that.
0: (laughs) 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 This is indeed live. Oh, man. (laughs) Uh, I know that's what Luddy would say and what he would want me to say, but um, in all seriousness, (sighs) I mean, the... The easy answer is that man, this beer is good. Yeah, is uh, that Oliver planer, man? We yeah. were so excited. We had we had wanted it for for a while, and uh, we had no plans of really buying a planer. The planer we had worked great. It was an old York Craft, you know.
1: We upgraded the head on yeah, it. Yeah,
0: yeah, with it with a, a helical head, twenty inch, and we were buying the shaper. You know, we uh, we picked the Oliver. For the price point and the fact that you know it was five horsepower, digital readout, blah blah blah, it was it seemed like a good shaper for the money. Um,
1: and we had good experience with the old Oliver joiner that was already in the shop.
0: Right, we had formed a relationship with Oliver. Also, you know, just a, no sort of business relationship, but just a, a relationship in talking about Oliver tools and talking to them and whatever. So we were, we ordered the shaper. Um, some of those planers were coming in, and they were you know, planers were hard to get at the time, and we really liked the idea of the the fixed bed with a head that moved up and mm-hmm. down. In theory, not knowing anything about <laughs> <Yes>. the, <laughs> yes, that was the, the engineering of the whole thing. Um, so yeah, I mean, we had such high hope. We ended up so we ended up ordering a planer too and getting them at the same time. We had such high hopes for that. Planer, and it just turned out to be, I mean, a total nightmare.
1: Yeah, it was a shambles. We spent days and days of our um, own time trying to finesse it and, and yep. bought tools and things to triple check all the settings. Yep. Yeah, that was, I mean, it. it's not as big a do- Uh, disappointment because we didn't have so many of our hopes pinned on it, but the, the edge bander was also the Moxiwa flex, CBC flex. Yeah. That one didn't come through as we had hoped either.
0: No, uh, you guys probably know Dino, uh, oh man, Dino, I'm probably going to butcher your name. Coros Carpentry, inventor of the back pad. He has the Moxiwa CBC it's called, which is just like a stationary edge, you know, manual feed edge bander. And he had nothing but good things to say about it. He has a, b- a bunch of Moxiwa tools and seemed to like them. So seemed like, hey, yeah. Dino's good. He's got these tools. He says they're good. It's got to be good. Right. So we ordered the CBC Flex, thinking this is going to be a, a more affordable um, option than the Conturo, and we're probably not going to use it that much. So. Why spend three, you know, thirty five hundred when we can spend fifteen hundred? Right, we don't edge
1: band much. No.
0: Well, and it turns out now we're edge banding all kinds of shit because we got it, <laughs> and we had this because that's our way. Yeah, <laughs> we're wrapping up this big commercial job. Um, so yeah, we got that thing, and man, was that a dud!
1: Yeah, it had that had some big gaps in the you know the engineering of it. I yeah, felt. Um,
0: yeah, I think no matter. What you did, it would, at the end of the day, it still would just be a mediocre tool.
1: Right. Whereas the, the, um, the Oliver, that was kind of a lemon, I think what we got.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like they said, they've sold however many units of that machine. If the design was no good and there was actual deflection in the head like that, Mm -hmm. then they wouldn't.
1: They'd have all... They'd, they'd all have to come back.
0: Right. They'd have all kinds of people up, all up in arms because, yeah. um, I mean, it was obvious. It's not like we were being nitpicky and it's like, well, no. this
1: is a, a two-thousands
0: thicker on this one. We, we couldn't no, no. use it. We're talking about hundredths of an inch where yeah. where you can, you know, a measurable, easily measurable difference in thickness. Yeah. In woodworking and, terms. Yeah. Feeding. I mean, terrible feeding. Three 128s. I mean, that's... Yeah. Uh,
1: that's, that's almost right, a full 30-second. Yeah. yeah, one fourths. 1⁄2 64ths, that's right. So, yeah, that Oliver,
0: Oliver planer, 20-inch planer, and Moxie with CBC Flex Edge Bander.
1: Yeah, and the thing with Oliver was they were all, you know, nice and uh, chummy with us when we were touting them. And then they kicked us to the curb yeah. when we became a thorn in their side. They didn't want to really I actually, help us.
0: I woke up to a notification this morning, um, on Instagram. If uh, a brand wants to use one of your pictures in like the store, mm-hmm. it it uh, asks you to like give a release or whatever. And they try. They wanted to use a picture of the planer that I. <laughs>
1: <laughs> the infamous planer. Yeah. <laughs> Looks good in photos. I mean, it's that nice baby blue.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, obviously, I unfollowed them because uh, I just don't want to see their shit anymore because it's so left such a sour taste in my mouth mm-hmm. over the whole experience.
1: We still have two of the machines.
0: Yeah, I mean, the joiner is, is spectacular. The, the shaper is... It's just a shaper. It's got, yeah. It's got... There's nothing fatally wrong with it. It's got little quirks with it that are just yeah. stupid engineering things. That, it's like you the, know
1: the guy who drew it up on paper to be built never used a shaper. Yeah. It's like they just <laughs> built
0: it and they never were like, let's try this out. Yeah. Like, let's see if these knobs are accessible uh, once everything else is around it. Yes. Um, Where the hell was I going with that? Oh, but yeah, I was going to say, I really don't see anything. Oliver was sort of like, on the come-up, it seemed, mm-hmm. before and ever since things went south with the planer, and, um, I mean, I feel like a lot of people maybe saw through what this whole Oliver used to be made in the USA, uh, same quality as they used to be. I think a lot of people, you know, maybe we opened some people's eyes. And, uh, it's
1: possible, yeah. yeah. And, you know, there was that whole supply chain issue, and they really dropped the ball on their end as well. yeah. Um, so there you have it, TJ.
0: We know yeah. how to stretch a
1: question. Now is yeah, that was easy. That was, that was a soft pitch. You want to read this next one from our buddy, uh, Corey?
0: Yeah, we got one coming in from Corey. Actually our newest patron, Corey, CT woodwork on Instagram. Um, if you could teach a woodworking class now, Corey actually does teach woodworking. Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: what would it be on? That's a good question um, I you know I'm always gonna fall back to one of those like prairie style pieces of furniture because I I yet to build one yep. <laughs> and I want to be I want to be a part of that and I I just like the design I think it's something that lends itself to um you know, a, a student, if you will, because of its shape. You know, there's no crazy curves in it. Like, Corey's doing that Maloof rock. Yeah. <laughs> He's got some patience, I got to tell you. Yeah, man, I think that's like a six-month-long class. <laughs> we get tired of our students before that. Oh, yeah. I get tired of a project after two weeks. <laughs> that's. I'm going to go with, like, one of those stickly prairie mm-hmm. settees or something, you know, a mid... A good, you know, mid-sized piece of furniture. Yep. Um, now, me,
0: I think it would be not really like a build something, like more of like I um, I don't know, to me, one of the most overlooked things in woodworking is sort of like creating systems of, of how you're going to do a task and sort of like dissecting a task and figuring out what the the, how you can do it the fastest and best way. Um, and just sort of the, I don't know, the thought process and that. So I think that's like something that'd be beneficial to people Mm -hmm. that they don't necessarily think about.
1: Right. How to be efficient in the shop.
0: Yeah. Like how to,
1: how to take,
0: when you have a task, how to take that information and try and turn it into an effective, um, workflow of doing whatever. It could be something super simple. Yeah. Um,
1: like where do I start and then where do I go after that?
0: Yeah. I mean, even like it's as simple as like screwing in those screw eyes, like positioning yourself in relation to the work mm-hmm. and positioning uh, the yeah. hardware in relation to the you know, <clears throat> just thinking about that. I mean, you could go from something taking a, uh, an entire day to you banging out in an hour. Right. Um, just by like really thinking about how you're going to go about something and, yeah. you know, removing error and potential to, you know, screw things up. Stuff like that, so
1: yeah, I like that repeatability mm-hmm. and and all that stuff. Sure. So some a little
0: uh, m- more unorthodox and probably more difficult to try and you know teach because it's not as a, it's not as concrete of a mm-hmm. of an example. You know.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this is an interesting question from Brian. Great Point Woodworks on Instagram. Do you fill nail holes with wood filler? Before or after staining the wood? Um, well, I'd say typically, if if it's something
0: that's stained, we're uh, we're gonna at all costs avoid any yeah. exposed uh, nails. Um, say situations where where that would be a thing. Uh, putting crown mm-hmm. on something like uh, on site, putting crown on something that's stained. Um, in that situation, we'd probably use some sort of wax.
1: Yeah. I like those in the nail holes. Um, yeah. Well, if we're doing some paint grade, that's easy, but stain. Right. Yeah. Um,
0: yeah. I mean, we're always going to try and go a route where there's no exposed fasteners. Um, with like even crown on stain grade, Collins clamps, which leave a little uh, dent, but not necessarily like a. Some it depends. Sometimes that hole could be worth depending on the the how hard the wood is. Uh, could be bigger than like a pin nail hole, but. Um, yeah, I mean Collins clamps with uh, a glued dowel on the back, something like that.
1: Or right and little. So that that crown is, is an assembly that just sits up there. Right, right. Yeah.
0: Uh, so it doesn't have to actually be nailed to something.
1: Yeah. Um, that, and I guess that's kind of the style that we work with in, too. We're not applying a lot of trim to the pieces we do.
0: No, no. No, I mean, typically it's like it would be, be a crown. It's yeah, be. yeah. And then we actually have like a follow-up question from Brian. Oh. What do you use for filler? Something shop made, i.e., glue and sawdust, or store bought?
1: Yeah, I, I think we've uh, experimented with just about every single thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, for, for nail holes, I always prefer those little wax things and right. then rub them out. Yeah, for um, things
0: that are already finished, for pre finished yeah. material.
1: Um, and then we have those that, for painted stuff, we have that bucket of like regular. Yeah, like wood either filler.
0: Minwax or Elmer's or something like that. Yeah, you know, the square container of just mm-hmm. paint grade. They make the stains stuff too, but not as uh, user-friendly. And I feel like probably doesn't really stain that well.
1: Yeah, we, we've we taken um, to uh, fill in some knot holes and stuff lately. I You've come up with some concoctions over there with wood... Uh, Glue and, and sawdust and things like that mm-hmm. lately.
0: Yeah. What the hell was I doing that on?
1: Yeah, I I just remember you you making it up. Yeah. Um I remember
0: pulling it out of the sander.
1: Yeah, what was that? But that's a that's a pretty nice old school trick.
0: Oh, that was that big ass table, the that twelve foot long uh. walnut countertop. Um, yeah. I mean, just type on three and sawdust. Yeah. Look at that. We got a refund for those things already that we just dropped off at UPS. Nice. Yeah. That's, that's speedy service. That's what I like. Um, yeah. I mean, even for paint grade stuff, like if it's just like, let's say you have a, a seam between, I don't know, a face frame and a side of a cabinet or something, then it's painted flush. It's supposed to look like one piece. A little bit of glue, sand it. I mean, yeah, for for thin little hairlines like that, I think that's that's a good method.
1: I like that better too because the fill is really not meant for stuff like it's not structural in that way. It'll sometimes it'll crack and Mm -hmm. leave a line after the fact. So we we try to avoid it to begin with. Yeah, (laughs) but yeah, we 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 everybody needs it every now and again.
0: Yeah, uh, like if something's gonna be stained. And it has something like that. We're definitely going to use, like, try and use glue and sanding to try and mm-hmm. uh, fill any small imperfection. If it's a big imperfection, then you pretty much just have to remake it. Yeah. Um, underside of a table or something, a not-hole epoxy, black epoxy, something yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then other than that, we, for paint grade, use um, a store-bought, Probably yeah. gonna get seven emails because we returned seven of those. <laughs> Where's the mute button? Mute.
1: <laughs> Corey's got another question for us.
0: Oh yeah, he's got a couple.
1: He's asking if they say you can never have enough clamps, how many is enough, and what types, what brands?
0: Yeah, they say for a project you need all the clamps you have plus two. Yeah. I'd say that we have just about enough. Yeah. Um It's a rare occasion when they're all all out. It has yeah. to be like a cabinet door assembly day.
1: Right, like for sometimes a kitchen. Yeah, like when, if we do a bunch of drawer boxes for a kitchen, like mm-hmm. if there're 20 drawer boxes, it'll take all the clamps.
0: Yeah. Um and we have probably what Forty, K bodies.
1: Yeah, I think there's um there's a dozen of the old red ones. Twenty mm-hmm. fours. Yeah, and then there's six of the other twenty fours. The Revo's. And then there's four of those Jorgensen pony orange ones. Those are all the twenty fours.
0: I thought those are thirties.
1: No, there's thirty sixes and twenty oh, okay. fours, and then. There's a, the 30-inch clamps. I think we got at least 10 of those. Mm-hmm. There's 236. There's about 10 40s. And um, I think there's six 48s.
0: I stopped adding them up. But yeah. Somewhere in that neighborhood of 50 or 60, I think. Yeah, and then there's no, eight 40. of those
1: little gray cheapo those Bessies. Six,
0: yeah, those are... Those Are just taking up wall space at this
1: point. Those are good for man, those, really aren't great. I mean, those are lo- super light duty, they're I not even more really trouble with those than anything. Yeah,
0: like they don't uh, they like want to like move things around. They're they what are really they called? Pyro, uh, Revo June, not Revo Junior. No,
1: they're they're like they're by Bessie and they're yeah. pseudo K bodies, but they're like super, super light duty.
0: Like the, you have to like turn the knob with two fingers. <laughs> yeah.
1: It's so like, they're like the jeweler's version of the yeah. K-body clamp. <laughs> yeah, those things suck. We'll give those away with the... Uh, <laughs> with our next giveaway. Yeah. <laughs>
0: then we have uh, not even a dozen squeet little squeeze clamps. Mm-hmm. Have two of those Dubuque 24s, which I really like those. Yeah. I'd like to grab some more of those. Those would be great for doing door assembly. Yeah, because yeah. Because then you don't have this fucking door that weighs... Five hundred pounds. Yeah, yeah. Two big, Bessie clamps on it, uh, and you know they're only an inch thick, so you you don't need a crazy.
1: Yeah, those jaws. probably be good for panel glue ups too.
0: Yeah, um, we got pipe clamps on standby. They they only come in yeah when we need to get over you know hundred inches or yeah. ninety six inches because we can connect the two K bodies, um, right. So I guess before we get too off the the literal question, how many is enough? I don't know, 40 to 50 in a shop bar size. Yeah. And uh, parallel clamps. Bessie is the brand that we like. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, you want to have a couple wooden clamps, a couple squeeze clamps, um, some deep reach. Those F things clamps. come out all the time, yeah, those it, deep reaches. So I guess we probably really have more like 75 clamps.
1: Oh, yeah, if you add up, add all, up those, all of them. Yeah, we, yeah. We, we probably have, you know, all clamps in the house probably pushing 100. Yeah. But um, 50 of the mainstays, a mm-hmm. couple dozen of, like, half-timers, and then there's a couple dozen that are, like, once or twice a year.
0: Yeah. Yeah, we have, like, the auto... uh. Uh, what the hell they call those, like the Grizzly Auto Thickness oh, yeah, uh, yeah. Vice Grip kind of things. Yeah. We got those for Deadwood because he couldn't figure out how to, <laughs> how to pocket screw things together without screwing it up. He still couldn't do it. So they've been sitting on the he shelf. He
1: still couldn't do it.
0: Yeah. Oh, um,
1: I know. I mean, you now those... That, of, we,
0: we have three uh, band clamps now. Yeah. Strap, strap, band clamp, strap clamp. I don't know band what those clamp? are called. I think yeah. It's a band clamp, you know, where it's like a ratchet strap kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Those
1: work great for the octagon.
0: Yeah, that was like a breeze. Um, yeah.
1: Well, there you go. I hope that
0: answered your question
1: in a roundabout way. Yeah. You want to read this next question?
0: Yeah, we got uh, one from our buddy John, John Peters. John Peters underscore on Instagram. Uh, What size would you make a mobile assembly table slash workbench?
1: Mobile in the shop or mobile like to leave the shop?
0: No, in the shop, I'm
1: assuming. Well, we we did make two, and they're about like three by four, aren't they? Something like that? They're, I think, 30 by 48. Yeah. That's a good size.
0: Yeah. Um, Would
1: you go any bigger
0: if you... Yeah, the word assembly, like I would never call those assembly tables because right. to me they're a little small. Um, they're
1: more like little workstations.
0: Yeah, they're, yeah. Um, to me, like an assembly table wants to be like four by eight.
1: Yeah. I had one at one time like that, but it took up, <laughs> took up too much space. Uh, yeah, that's, that's the <laughs> dilemma.
0: Um,
1: it, it, I don't care how mobile it is. It was always in the way.
0: Yeah. Like, the short answer is as big as you can manage. Yeah, Um, yeah. You know, if you could fit an 8 by 8 assembly table, that's better than a 4 by 8 because, um, you know, the only thing you have to worry about is being able to get onto the other side of your Mm -hmm. work if you have to. But, um, yeah, I mean, you want it to be wider than two feet because you're going to obviously be putting two-foot deep cabinets on there at some point if you're building cabinets. Um, And... You know, if you build anything that's big, if you're not just building individual, like uh, you're building frameless cabinets, you don't need one that's very big, but like we build big cabinets. Yeah. They might be seven feet long um, by 24 inches deep. So you want a big table to be able to move it around and.
1: uh, Yeah. Or a kitchen island or something like that. Those wind up being big or we tend to make big runs of kitchen cabinets too. Like one cabinet might fill up a whole wall.
0: Yeah, <laughs> like as big as can manageably be That's brought right. into the house and delivered. We like it that way. Because, you know, there's no reason to make yeah. make it any smaller than that. Comes out
1: better, installs easier.
0: Yeah. Um, Uses less material.
1: Yeah. And I think uh, also, you know, you have less sharing walls, so you actually have more usable space yeah, for yeah. the client. Yep. Um. So that the answer is as big as you can, you know, afford, space-wise, really.
0: Yeah, I'd say uh, 30 inches deep and then min- minimum 30 by 48, I'd say. Yeah. yeah. Those tables that we have are, you know, sometimes... They're, yeah, they're not big enough for a lot of things They're good for, like, do. doing, like, little finishing and sanding and stuff like that. But assembling, you know, a lot yeah. of times we have to go to the table saw station.
1: Yeah. All right. Who's this? Uh, Chris? See Jabrisky on Instagram, He's uh, he wants to know if we have any tips for table saw maintenance and maybe some other tools that you typically check up on.
2: Mm, that
0: beer is good. Yeah. Um, I'd say that, admittedly, we're not very uh, maintenance-heavy people.
1: No. I can think of one thing off the top of my head.
0: Um, tips for table saw maintenance. You know, you keep the cast iron nice. You, know, you can wax it. Um, I don't know. We're more like if there's a problem, we address it. But if not, then don't. Fi- yeah, if it's not yeah. broken, don't don't try and fix it. I
1: I would say for all the tools that have blades on them, keep everything sharp. Oh yeah, and clean. Mm-hmm. Sharp and clean, and that way, if something is amiss, you know you. It, it doesn't stay hidden until it becomes a bigger problem. You'll know yeah. if there's like a little something going on, you know, if all of a sudden your your cuts aren't, you know, coming out like they were. Mm-hmm. Uh, so sharp and clean. That's that's what I would say.
0: Yeah. Keep an eye on your belts. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a belt can go bad and break. And then you, if you don't have a replacement, then your machine is down or it could ruin a a workpiece because yeah. the uh, the cutter stops suddenly. Um,
1: the other thing I I notice is that when you're using your machines, you get tuned into them. Yeah, and so you can tell if like, something sounds a little weird. Right, that's that's really it. Like if you're working every day on on your machines, you you know them. You get you get mm-hmm. this. It sounds corny, but you got this relationship with them, and yep. you'll know the sounds they make. Even passing the wood over the joint, you know that what you know what it's going to feel like.
0: Like when your wife walks in from work, you just tell <laughs> that they're pissed off at you. They don't have to say anything.
1: That's right.
0: You're like, oh, that's what did it. I do? That, that's
2: a, that's, a, that's a good analogy. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes you just know. You got
1: that feedback, that silent feedback. Yep, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Another good one is like when you like you do say something and and their response gives you some <laughs> sort of indication that that's
2: not right. Oh yeah,
0: <laughs> we better move on. Yeah. Ah, <laughs> uh, next uh, question here is from our buddy Lou. Hey, Lou. Alvarez Woodworking. Um, If you could choose another era in time to live
1: and practice your craft, which would it be and why? Oh, man. I think about having uh, the opportunity to live in another era more than I should. I can't say I've really ever thought about it. (sighs) Well, there are a couple of eras that appeal to me. I like uh,
0: Egyptian time when the ancient aliens were around.
1: Yeah, no, I w- I wouldn't go that far back because because um, your chances of staying alive are pretty slim. Yeah, and um, I mean even the even the times that I could think of in a romantic sense, they call for things like outdoor plumbing and things like that, which I, I wouldn't really be grooving on that now that I know yeah. what indoor plumbing's all about. Um,
0: yeah, only like bi-weekly bathing.
1: Right. So I would say the earliest I would want to go back would be, let's say, like the 20s, mm-hmm. 1920s, when people were really spending money, um, and they would go like all the rich folk would be going all over the world and then they'd come back and they'd build these huge mansions at yeah. no expense and really ornate stuff. Not that I'm into the ornate style, but it was sort of like, let's build it. I'm not worried about what it costs. Right.
0: Now, do you have to stay in this time period? Oh I, So you're coming in pre depression, then you gotta live through the Great oh. Depression.
2: <laughs>
1: peaks and valleys. Yeah. I mean, the the cuz that's really I think, you know, the arts and crafts movement had yeah. just come and um it seems like a good time to to be a, a craftsman.
0: I was thinking like post World War II, 1940s. Yeah. yeah. You know, everything was sort of like opulent, stylish you Had all these really Yeah. This Art Deco movement. Yeah. Um I mean I, I like that sort of aesthetic and you know, obviously i i don't know a ton about that uh, era but like from what i've seen like movies that were you know uh based in that time period i don't know it just all seems kind of cool yeah very
1: stylish yeah yeah that that was going to be my second choice you know like post-world war ii mm-hmm. um and those were those were probably good times, and yeah, the and,
0: economy was booming at that time.
1: Yeah. Can still go to the bathroom indoors. Yeah, <laughs> have a car, you know, fly on an airplane. <laughs> I just watched that uh, show, um, you know, the blank that made America, and oh, this was, was the power. tools. Yeah, yeah. I, would, I woke
0: up to a text from Jamie's like, "Oh, the uh, history of power tools on." It I was, was already Black asleep. and
1: Decker. And then the guy, his name was Peterson, who started Milwaukee. Mm. And he had Ford's backing, Ford, you know, automobiles.
0: That anti-Semite. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and, um, you know, like the drill, they came, it was like the first thing and it was so huge. Yeah, all so, like
0: uh, that zinc colored. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and... So it was pretty interesting, but it did make me think, man, how fortunate we are to have the tools that we have. Yeah, yep. But um, there was a little, like, the, as the announcer was talking in that show with the voiceovers, they were talking about how these power tools democratized um Labor. Yeah, not the layer, but, like, the ability to do something. And it's like, now anybody can do, can build anything. And it, it sort of rubbed me the wrong way. Yeah, like, it, yeah. it's it's like, oh, that's that's not the difference. It's being able to use the tool. Yeah, yeah. Um, like,
0: just because uh, you can't use a hand plane doesn't mean right. that you can use a power planer. Right. You're probably less, more likely to screw up with the power planer.
1: Right. So that was sort of a, you know, one little side... Line of that show that really rubbed me the wrong way, mm-hmm. you know that whole DIY network. Hey, we can build our own kitchen.
0: And you and get the flip side of like people. I heard it the other day, going on and on about these CNC things. Like, mm-hmm. Okay, now try and do it by hand.
1: Right.
0: <laughs> he, they carved a 3D skull. Out of, okay, carve it by hand. Right. So you programmed it on the computer. I'm programming stuff on the... I'm drawing things in 3D on the computer all the time. Right. Things that I can't make by hand. Right. So, um, like the crown on that Patek Philippe watch. Right. Now, Keith CNC'd that. I couldn't make that by hand. You couldn't make no. that by hand. Keith couldn't make that by hand. The machine did it. Right. I drew it on the computer. Easy breezy. You can't make it by hand.
1: No. So... Man, that's a skill. Running a CNC,
0: I'm sorry, it's not woodworking.
1: No. It's another thing. It's uh, it's completely different, yeah. It's like pineapple on pizza. It's not pizza anymore. <laughs> it's another food. It it resembles pizza, mm-hmm. but it's not pizza or raisins in a bagel. I don't If you like raisins in a bagel. I don't
0: know, cinnamon raisin bagel is pretty that's good. That's fine.
1: It's just not a bagel anymore once mm. you stick a raisin in it. It's a cinnamon raisin bagel. <laughs> <laughs> I got to hear from the listeners out there. <laughs> oh, unless you're from the Northeast, don't be giving any bagel opinion. <laughs> Keep it to yourself and pizza. Yeah, that's right.
2: We're going to get I people. I live in Florida, Florida, Florida and our pizza. Pe- okay, shut up. That's right. Unless you're from New Jersey, New York, or Connecticut, don't say anything about pizza or bagels.
0: If you're from Montreal, you can talk about bagels. Chicago, don't talk about the pizza either.
1: Uh, (laughs) Uh, We got another one from Corey here. Thanks for the question, Lou. (laughs) How do you incorporate hand tools into your everyday work in the shop? That's uh, Corey from CT Woodwork. He wants to know. Well,
0: we, uh, I mean, really, most typically, it's uh, whatever is going to get the job done the best way, the fastest way, easiest way, whatever. Yeah. But then sometimes, you know, sometimes you just want to sit at the bench yeah. and use a hand tool because you've been on the table saw all day, you've been on the joiner all day, and it's been loud and repetitive yeah. and uh, the lack of finesse and so sometimes you just want to use the hand
1: tools chisels and planes
0: yeah hand saws um i mean it's woodworking so
1: right we we work it in you know it's like sometimes as you say it's a mental thing mm-hmm. you know where it's it might be six of one half dozen of the other or maybe there is a little bit easier faster way to do it with the machines in the shop but we allow ourselves that respite to go, you know, I want to, you know, keep my skills sharp, mm-hmm. sit at my bench, clear my head, get in the zone, use these nice tools <laughs> that somebody, yeah. you know, spent their time making by hand or, you know, relatively speaking. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we, we, I think we work them in pretty well. Mm hmm. Yeah. I mean, while still maintaining a business.
0: Yeah. Let's say we're working on a job and we know, you know, this is, these aren't hard and fast statistics that we keep up on the wall, but like we know that we're getting to the point where the job is on the tipping point of being profitable or being a break even or a, or a loss. Yeah. Then we're going to do it. <laughs> yeah. We're not, we're not going to choose to, uh, you know, take extra time to use hand tools, but you know, when the job is going good and you have the opportunity to just, you know, do it that way, then then we yeah. do. Yeah.
1: And it, like, if we're doing a bunch of mortise and Tenon doors, I mean, I always have a shoulder plane. It's mm-hmm. like, that's kind of how I always would do it. Some of them are going to be a little snug, maybe you're putting a little less pressure as you would pass in over the blades. Yep. Um, I mean, I'm looking forward to doing these things with the Shaper now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, man, we haven't had a. A big door job in a while no um so yeah it's uh it helps us keep our head on straight yeah okay uh this is tom mcguire yeah
0: I, we were just talking to tom hopefully tom's coming by to pick up some wood this week
1: yeah tom get on your horse and come over and pick up that wood. we got <laughs> a said, guy who's looking for he us
0: said maybe friday all right uh tom wants to know what are the pros and cons of making a miter gauge crosscut jig compared to a full crosscut sled?
1: Well, the first one is the weight and the ease of use, mm-hmm. I would say. The, I mean, the full crosscut sled, I had one for a long, long time. I was always reluctant to use it because it was so heavy. Yep. You know, you'd have to plop it over onto the saw. and I wasn't a, I'm not a big fan of it, uh, I'll say, that, that methodology.
0: Yeah, I'd say uh, the only time I'm going for now we have a sliding table, so it's which is more of a miter gauge setup. Mm-hmm. Um, the times that I really want a a crosscut, a uh, sorry, a, a crosscut sled, or if I'm taking cuts in the middle of a w- in the field of a mm-hmm. piece, not on the end, like if I'm uh, have to make half lap joints in the middle of a bunch of pieces on a dado. Like, I want a sled that goes on both sides of the blade, that has a fence in the back Mm -hmm. that I can, you know, easily uh, use like that where the workpiece is supported on the full length rather than hanging off on the side of a miter gauge. That's, like, the main difference to me between a miter gauge crosscut versus a full crosscut sled. Is a full crosscut sled, well, I guess it depends. Uh, half of the time they're on both sides of the blade. Yeah. Um, whereas a miter gauge is always on just one side of the
1: blade. Yeah. I I love a good miter gauge. Even that, uh, Rockler branded Jessam is a, mm-hmm. that was a, that was just a lucky find, you know, cause I think that it was probably like $99 or something like that. And that was just one of those things. That's solid. Yep. um, But uh, uh, that's that's pretty much it. I mean,
0: yeah, like for cutting plywood, you're probably gonna want a crosscut sled. Yeah, yeah. um, If not, just use the fence on the table saw.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, as long as they are accurate, you could make either of those work. Yeah, that's really key. I mean, something that's not accurate, or you got to wrestle with it Mm -hmm. to make the cut square. Then you're wasting your time.
0: Yeah. I like a small, like 12 by 18 crosscut sled for just little joinery kind of stuff.
1: Oh uh, yeah. I'm looking at this next question. It's long.
0: Yeah. Got you a lot of, de- a lot of uh, details in there.
1: All right. You want to read that or you want me to read it? Uh, you can read it. All right. All right. It's going to put I my, I mean, I can read it. It's going to put my, uh, uh, what's the word? Elocution to the test. Uh, (laughs) electrocution (laughs) I put finish on a dresser and it looked great I left town for a few days and today I came back and saw it in some sunlight and there were a few glaring splotches on the finish I used an oil wax finish and I'm assuming it's some glue residue or a fingerprint that I did wipe over did, you, did I did why that I did that I did wipe over <laughs> I just over. copy and pasted it so <laughs> is the fix just sanding the area down and refinishing since I mostly work in the evenings in the shop I'm wondering how I could have spotted this sooner without sunlight any tips Matt one of our good patrons known as Hey Good Hardwoods on Instagram So he's got a couple of questions um, he wants to know how to f- repair Mm-hmm. a little bit of a missed spot with his oil and wax finish. And he wants to maybe know if we have a tip on how he could have spotted this sooner. Yeah. So repair wise, um,
0: I say card scraper to get, uh, you know, the wax and, and most of the finish off and then sand it to whatever mm-hmm. you sanded the rest of the piece too, because you don't want it to look different. And then just, you know, you can apply your finish back over that. If it's like, uh, he actually, he sent pictures. I, I think one was on the drawer and one might've been on like the face frame. Um, like if it was an entire, if it was on a rail, you might want to refinish the entire rail yeah. or the entire style um, just so you don't see. Cause it's, you know, it's never going to be exact, exact. So, um, you know, keep that in mind. Like if it's a door, you might just want to refinish the entire door. Mm-hmm. It's not really that much more work to go and do the entire face instead of just uh one little two by two area or whatever.
1: Yeah. I agree with that a hundred percent. Cause sometimes there are little differences as the stain is set in. Yeah.
0: And- yeah. I mean, that's why like if, if we're doing samples, I make sure that I make the sample the same exact way that I'm going to finish uh, the piece and like even right on the back of it, like, you know, stain sat for 10, 10, sand it to 180, stain sat for 10 minutes. And mm-hmm. then, like, uh, because finishing is like that, where, you know, it, uh, the different variables of how you go about it can really change the look. Um, it's like that, that last box I made, octagonal box, it's a lot lighter because I sanded it to 220 instead yeah. of 180. Um, and then, uh, catching those things i mean you can wipe mineral spirits on and see you know you'll be able to see where there's any glue or anything oh, yeah. like that um so before you put finish on anything you can wipe it with mineral spirits and, and see
1: and maybe get some better lighting in the shop
0: yeah yeah i mean something like glue i mean that's hard yeah because it could be you could sand the glue off and it still <laughs> it's will still there. affect the finish yeah
1: yeah <laughs> I, I That's mean, one of
0: the issues with doing that glue and sawdust trick yeah. with stain grade is sometimes you'll get a halo around it if you don't, really don't. like. You'll think that you sanded it all out of the surface, but it'll still be there.
1: Uh, and just so you know, Matt, uh, I can't even count how many times I've done that. <laughs> yeah, it happens all the time. <laughs> well, I mean, in literally.
0: The, in, I mean, it's in that octagonal box.
1: Yeah, it, it, happens, it happens more than I wish it did. Yeah. Uh, Cause you could get a little something on your fingers, and you mm-hmm. touch it, and you, and it's so tiny that you don't see it until yep. that finish goes on. Then it's like, oh hell, yeah, WD forty, um, yeah. <laughs> so the the good answer is that the good part of the answer is it's not a difficult fix. No, no, um, especially with oil and wax. Yeah, yeah.
0: So if it was uh, lacquer, you'd be in a, you know, you'd be in a different situation. So
1: good for you, Matt. Have at it. Let us know how it turns out.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it was a, ni- a nice walnut, I believe. Uh, oh, here's our uh, next to last question from Corey. Penultimate question. Yeah. So when is the next meetup? It was great to put names to faces and talk shop.
1: Yeah, well, uh, I would say once a year. Yeah. <laughs> now it's on somebody else. <laughs> Got to plan That's one. right. <laughs> Corey.
0: On you now, buddy.
1: Yeah. Two and a half hour drive. Yeah. <laughs> Corey did win the long distance. uh Corey and his friend Bob, yeah. right? They won the long distance award for two and a half hours coming from the island. Yeah, that's a hike. There was
0: a guy who was going to come up from uh Virginia, from like Richmond, Virginia, but. Yeah, he didn't make um, it. Yeah, I forget. Uh, sorry, I forgot your yeah. Instagram name. It's so hard to keep track of different name, it but. certainly
1: was putting uh good putting names to faces and it was yeah. funny at first because I you know you can hear uh everybody talking and and go that's is that so and so is that so and so
0: yeah it was a good time <laughs> and if I mean it flew
1: it did we were there for four hours yeah, yeah.
0: I have to do a uh an all-day event next time
1: yeah. Um, so we want to have our thoughts on the beer of the week? Yeah. Oh, wait. We got the question of the week. Oh, yeah. We'll we'll, we'll rattle we, it off. We pre-read the question of the week. So this
0: is uh, the question of the week we'll do in the Patreon. This is from our buddy Manny.
1: <laughs> I just re- when, read the first half of it. <laughs> when dealing
0: with someone who always wants to give advice but can never receive it, how do you suggest handling it? many Manny, Too many Mistakes on Instagram.
1: Oh, my God. Is that a loaded question? I have no idea what he's talking about. <laughs> Me neither. Oh. Beer of the Week. Slush Punch
0: from Pine Lone Pine Brewing Company. I dug it. Yeah, I'm going to say this is probably towards the top of the list of yes.
1: uh, my favorite beers that we've had. Um, I mean, I think the timing is, is right. You know, it was a, it was a, it wasn't like a super hot day, but it was a warm day.
0: Smell the can now. You can really smell pineapple. pineapple.
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Maybe um, that's what made it so good is the pineapple.
1: Uh, it, cause I, you know, I probably wouldn't have ta- if I was just in the store shopping for a beer. I'm like, eh, no, I'll, maybe not, not today for this fruity beer. But boy, this was good.
0: Yeah, it was, I mean, you could be in big trouble drinking these, like <laughs> out in the su- out in the heat. Yeah, at seven and a half percent, you could easily, I mean,
1: crush a bunch of these. Especially if you're drinking this out of a glass, you know, where you could really gulp it down.
0: Yeah, or just, like, a really frosty can out of a cooler, Uh like, you know, buried in ice.
1: Yeah, yeah.
2: This was good. Yeah, that
0: was really good. Imperial Sour Ale ale with cherry, orange, pineapple, lemon, and lactose.
1: We'd give it more than two thumbs up if we could.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, this is... Like I said, the one of the most true-to-advertised beers I think I've ever had. Right,
1: so if you're looking for something along those lines... Yeah. Because we've had more than a few of these, like, sort of fruit-infused, mm-hmm. hazy... Uh, it ha- didn't have any of that
0: funkiness that a lot of no. these beers had, which isn't necessarily a bad thing, but if you want something that's juicy and, Crisp. like, tart, I mean... That was really good. Yeah.
1: We'll have to, we'll have to reach out. Enthusiastic
0: thumbs up. Yeah, we'll have
1: to reach out to the lone pine boys and yeah. girls. Yeah, now I'm interested
0: in what other beers they yeah. have. Yeah. I've never heard of them or seen this beer. We had to go to the good liquor store to
1: get it. <laughs> Let's see what other kind of beer they have. <laughs> you know us. We're we're big on the made in the USA. Oh, we you know, we got another well, I might have to bring it in for Tool of the Week next week. What? Uh, we found a new USA uh, vendor uh, coming from Massachusetts. Oh, yeah, coming tomorrow.
0: i got to confirm my age. Beers. They have a Portland Pale Ale, Brightside IPA, Tessellation Double IPA, OJ American Double IPA, Raspberry sparkler. That Sounds good. Bright, tart, and packed with fruit and citrus, yet light enough to crush on summer days.
1: They're big on the fruit stuff. Well, it's just that one. Well, they got the OJ. Yeah, that's just a
0: 0% fruit in that. It's just just a RNG IPA. I see. OJ craft seltzer. Holy donut. Uh Uh-oh. They have multiples of those. One, two, three. What's the deal with the Holy Donut? They have a dark chocolate toasted coconut imperial stout. Oh man! A triple berry glazed double IPA. Holy cannoli ginger glt ginger glit <laughs> That's not a cannoli.
1: <laughs> you see what happens? You move out into the yeah. into the northeast and yeah. uh,
0: chocolate covered strawberry imperial stout, coffee cake imperial stout, blueberry glaze imperial stout. That's probably good.
1: So Holy Donut is a line of stouts. Purple.
0: Fresh lemon glaze imperial stout. Oh, imperial sour. Look at the color on that. Wow. It's like pure uh, caramel. Yeah. Dark chocolate peppermint. Mmm. We got a bunch of these OJs. Pineapple tessellation.
1: Wow. Guava
0: Tessellation.
1: What's Tessellation mean?
0: That's, uh, I don't know. That's their IPA, though. Mango Sparkler. That's American Sour Ale, Juicy and Tart, Tropical and Crisp. Blueberry Sparkler, Blackberry Sparkler. T-Shirt Cannon, American IPA. Kiwi Cannon, Why? blah, blah, blah. They got a lot of different beers. Uh, I still haven't seen... Slush Punch. Choco Tuesday. Imperial Stout. Maple Sunday. Hot Fudge Monday. Slush Punch. There it is. Double doses of cherry, orange, pineapple, lemon, and lactose. Cherry pie and raspberry jam. A gorgeous deep red color. Deep red color? I don't think so. And Bursting Flavor Profile featuring pineapple, cherry, and lemon, cherry pie, and raspberry jam.
2: What's
1: that uh, cinnamon toasty?
0: Brewed with Vietnamese cinnamon and vanilla extract.
1: We've tried something with that. that Talked about like, those Waffle things. thing. Yeah, that's going to scare me away. Seahorse
0: sea. <laughs> Seahorse seashell party. Tropical pale ale.
1: These guys make a lot of beer. I'm only halfway down the page. They make one with fig. If you back up, it's right on top of Summer Stout, right? What does that say? Fiddler. Fiddler. Oh, Fiddler. Fiddler.
0: Summer Stout, Albarosa, Dargoza. Summer Stout sounds good. Session IPA, Hibiscus Saison, Maple Brown Ale, American Stout style, Grisette. I don't even know what a Grisette is. I think that has something to do with, with grapes. refreshing. Blah, blah, blah. Maybe not. Lemon Lime Crush Puppy. Blue Raspberry Crush Puppy. Oh, man. A pulsating rendition of our favorite chili childhood drinks. Crisp and light with crackling hop flavor and an addition of blueberry and raspberry.
1: These guys are like the Ben and Jerry's of beer. Yeah. Then, look, this is getting into their bottled stuff. Oh, man.
0: Man. Well, we could go on and on about this. Maybe we'll continue the conversation in
1: the question of the week. Yeah.
0: The Patreon after show.
1: We dim the lights during the after show. I don't yeah. know if anybody really knew that. I'll show you. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Yeah, got in the mood for that after show, but not really. So you can't see anything now. <laughs> These lights are, yeah, the things we do to get good video. Yeah, you guys. Speaking of which, go watch on YouTube. Um, gotta thank uh, our patrons. Yeah. Oh yeah. Our gold tier patrons: Jerry Greenan, David Murphy, Manny Siriani, Dustin Fair, Adam Pothas, David Shoemaker, Colin Lai. Keith Drennan, and our newest uh, patron, Corey Ty. Yeah, welcome. Welcome to the club. Well, with that, we'll sign off. We'll see you guys next week, episode 50.
1: Yeah. Cinquenta. See you next week. Ciao.